Hi, this is Al and welcome to Open Chats. Um, the Open Chats, this is Season Zero and what we want to do is to speak to eminent personalities in tech, in data and in development. And we want to learn from them. What does the future look like for Africa um, and for all of us? Today, I have Nivi. Nivi is a great friend and she recently joined the board of the Open Institute. And as I told you last time, this um, entire season, we're going to be talking just to the board members of the Open Institute as we try to reflect on why they joined, who they are, and what they're about. As we do that, of course, we are going to meander and talk about many, many other things. Um, and we hope you're going to enjoy it. Now, as I start, I have to tell you, subscribe. It's right over there. Little bell on the right so that you can catch all the other episodes as we come. Now, Nivi, hi. Hi. Welcome to Open Chats. And welcome to the board. What an incredible board. Thank exactly. you. <laughs> so why did you join the board? I was so hesitant because there's, you know, there's so much pressure on time and so on. So those are reasons I didn't join the board or didn't want to join the board. Yeah. But I came and I spent a day with you in Kilifi with your family. Yeah. Um, you cooked me a beautiful meal. Yes. I have to do that so that you know, that is how I got all the board members. You yeah. cooked them a beautiful meal. And that's why. No, I'm joking. Um, but, you know, I've, I've always heard about open data, the open data initiative, World Bank doing things, our ex-president Kibaki doing things for open data. Great. All of these top-down initiatives. Um, and being there in Kilifi, seeing the work you do in the grassroots level, thinking about, well, you know, it's very good to create systems to listen carefully for a government to do that. Yes. But also important is to make sure that voices from the very bottom, yes. um, the people who are never heard, the people who are always forgotten, hmm. um, people who are don't even have an ID, right. let alone a voice yes. um, in our democratic uh, system. Yes. Those people, to pick their voices up, give them a voice, show them how to be heard, show them how to speak up. Um, and that nexus between bottom-up getting voices heard and top-down systems of listening yes. that Open Institute is there I don't know I think that was that was, that was really what got me that was the magic that I was like okay this is different yeah excellent so Nivi is a CEO of Bridges to Prosperity would you tell us a little bit about you know Bridges to Prosperity and what it is that you do I'm the CEO which means I cannot tell you what I do because yes. I <laughs> I feel that's different you the every floors, day. You do the accounts. <laughs> but um, Bridges to Prosperity is this beautiful NGO. It started over 20 years ago by a man who saw a National Geographic um, cover yes. of some people, you know, using a rope to cross a river in right. Ethiopia. And he was, you know, had made some money from a big development project in Virginia, I think. And said, I can go and build a bridge there. Mm. And he did. Mm. Um and, you know, from that, from that thought of thinking when something is so important to get to the other side of the bridge, that yes. you're willing to do that with your life, with your children's life right. um, to get there, yes. there must, one, be something very important on the other side. Right. And two, no other way for you to get there. Yes. Um, that makes sense. Mm. And so, you know, Bridges to Prosperity is really founded on that principle of rural isolation is a root cause of poverty. Um, and we often think about poverty as, you know, in, in so many different ways, but we don't realize that some people just can't get to a market, the garment factory where they might get a job, mm. to the school where their kids go, um, to healthcare facilities, to get an attended birth. All of these things that we take for granted 
they're um, just they're just yeah. too far away from yeah they're just and you know there's a very simple you know governments build bridges all over the place mm. but this ngo is really focused on a specific type of low cost very sustainable long life very sturdy um cable bridge and we call it a trail bridge that's for pedestrians bicycles and motorbikes but you've got years of experience working in tech i've known you i've known nivi all the time yeah. as a person who works yeah. in tech mm -hmm. so now you're a person who works in infrastructure what's that like what's that transition like yeah. for you <laughs> to rural infrastructure um you know first it's still access so my career has always been dedicated to access to educational opportunities access to connectivity access to the largest greatest network of knowledge and information in the world that is the internet but b2p is still tech driven right. that you know we we've built bridges all over the world 500 bridges all over the world and it's not sustainable for yes. a little ngo to be you know to work out of rwanda and uganda and ethiopia and build all the bridges that are needed for these 250 million people right. who are living in rural isolation yeah. so we really are thinking about like how do we leverage technology mm. to one use satellite imagery to see where needs are, uh, the need is for these bridges mm. to use our data our keen eye on evidence and impact uh, data to see like what is the impact mm. of any bridge that we use mm. and then how do we use technology to really get the message out there to advocate uh, advocate for this and get other governments to take it on um, take the program on and build more bridges for their rural citizens ah, but now you mm. see when you're doing tech it's, yeah. it's a very venture capital uh, driven very um, new age driven and yeah. so on and so forth when you're working with bridges mm. um, you're almost going what we have called low tech Mm. Um, you're thinking about, you know, bricks mm. and mortar kind of things. Yeah. Um, and you're also thinking about a very different audience. Um, mm. At the IHUB, when I knew you, you yeah. were doing stuff that was very ahead of the curve. Mm. Now you've come back to, mm. come back down to earth, right. I would say. And, yeah. and, you're, and you're dealing with stuff that is, yeah. is you know, very hands-on. And yeah. the question that I would ask is this. When you think about the continent, mm. when you think about the African continent, mm. We're so diverse. Mm. This, this in one hundred square kilometers, mm. you will find very isolated people mm. in one place and very urbane uh, people. Mm. How do you merge these realities? Yeah. And how do you merge the reality that you, you know, you've had to live both realities? Right. How do you merge these two realities, mm. and how do you work them? Mm. You know, as I told you, uh, my ancestors came to East Africa to build the railway. Mm. right that connected um east africa kenya uganda and so on mm. but it's to think now that i'm building bridges yes. is quite poetic right. <laughs> in my mind um and we know that infrastructure works yes. like we know that wherever you put infrastructure there will be development right now we know that the sexy urban infrastructure is much more um, monetizable, tall roads, energy transmission, that's what people want to do because mm. it makes money. Mm. But, you know, to leverage small, on, like you say, on the ground infrastructure, a simple bridge to say that, well, how do we measure the return on investment here? And, you know, keep in mind that we're not building bridges in a place where the community is the biggest, so we have, you know, the impact on the most people. Mm. We're building bridges for the most marginalized people. So in nature, there are few in number. Mm. Um, and then how do we really studiously, honestly, transparently look at that data and say, is this worth it? 
Right. Um, what are we getting? What's happening to farmer inputs? What's happening to income levels? Mm -hmm. What's happening to enrollment of girls, especially? Uh, because it's the mothers are like, oh, I don't think you yeah. should go to school today. The, the, the river's kind of choppy. Right. It looks like it's going to rain. Yes. No mother should have to make that decision in the morning, you know. And, and sometimes let um, the boys go, but oh, the yeah. girls stay. <laughs> you know. <laughs> yeah. um, but often it's you know the, the the girls that get held back. Often right. it's the the women who are trying to carry their produce to the market that are less able to do so. So you know, on on all of these levels, we bring it back down to the ground, but we still say, let's use technology to take what we're seeing, what we're learning, mm. and amplify that. Because it, we can, you know, do things in our little echo chambers, in our little small ways all the time. But like, there's no point in replicating the wheel in Bhutan or Burma. Hills are hills, rivers are rivers, right. mothers are mothers. Um, so, you know, let's take what we're learning and let's make it easy. Take this bridge solution, take our drawings, take our engineering and learn from them. Learn about how to also tell your government that, hey, this is what happens when you build a bridge for a community of 2,000 people. So, you see, that's one of the reasons why, you know, when you look at um, the rural and especially the remote uh, people, they're so far left behind in mm -hmm. terms of education. In our work at the Open Institute, we've seen that rural and remote populations mm -hmm. are so far left behind that you'll find that some will not even be able to tell you who the president is. Mm -hmm. um, many of them will have to leave school early right. because it's just logistically yeah. a nightmare mm -hmm. um, to do so, even if um, there, there was a school not very far away. Yeah. But because of the fact that as a child, I have to first of all go and fetch water, right. then now go to school, or, yeah. and then come out of school early so that I can fetch firewood, mm -hmm. so that then I can do my homework before it gets dark. You know, all of those mm -hmm. things. Um, there has to be a way that we can reconcile between the fact that the world is now talking about chat GPT mm. on the one hand mm. and these human beings who are absolutely disappearing mm. um, in the world. And what I don't know is, or what do you think Africa might do mm. so that we begin to leapfrog a little bit? Mm. Because you and I have grown up in, you know, in a world where there's both of these realities, mm. but there's an overwhelming number of people who are being left behind. Mm. What are the things that we could do, mm. simple steps that we could take mm. for us to not just be consumers of mm. technology, mm. for us to not just be consumers of innovation, mm. but to begin to innovate mm. and maybe even to redefine innovation because mm. um, the innovation that you would do for a bridge yeah. um, that will affect 2,000 people mm. isn't, you know, Silicon Valley-esque, exactly. um, but it's innovation and right. it's useful. Right. Should, should we redefine innovation and how should we think about it? You know, that's actually one of the, what you're speaking about speaks to the heart of why I felt I needed to leave the tech industry. And why I felt I needed to leave the tech industry was it felt like in that world of venture capital, of innovation, of cutting edge, there was a template. There was a script, there was a way your deck had to look, the way you had to present your idea, the way you had to present growth and opportunities and scale. And I just didn't feel that right. I was reading a different script from everyone else in the room. Mm. Um, and so when I think of the innovation of a bridge, we're not, we're not saying, great, if we build, no one's thought of this before. If we build a bridge here, it's going to be a game changer. Watch mm. this. Like, you know, it's not that. There is a bridge. Like, the communities are putting a log across the river. We're working with generational knowledge mm. about 
pathways that these communities desire to follow to get to where they want to go. Mm. We are talking about you know schools that have been built, hospitals, clinics, midwives that are figuring out how to get to the, the woman who's going into labor, mm. right? And we're just easing their life. And we're saying, you know, let's, let's take away the guesswork on whether you're going to get there or not yes. today. Because that's a, it seems like a human right, safe right. access to where you're going, right. safe access to get home, safe yeah. access to get to school. Yeah. So again, like going back to the innovation um, in Silicon Valley, they call it human-centered design, right? right? <laughs> but, you know, go back to building things that people know they need, have that told you that, need, yeah, that yes. they're, yeah. Um, go back to listening. So do you think mm. that even as the world is going so far ahead with mm. AI, with robotics, mm. with all of these things, that there's a need for us to also double back mm. um, and forget the technology for a minute and focus a little bit on the right. human beings and, and what needs to be done? Yeah, I used to feel this when I used to work in education, ed tech, I used to feel this a lot. When COVID happened and technology became the plug, like our children have got to keep learning, Right. right? Technology actually widened the gap, the poverty gap, the education poverty gap we have. Okay. Um, because, I mean, think of what kids in Norway started doing. Right. And think of what kids in Garissa were doing. You know, right. like it, it, they were worlds apart. Yes. Um, and the, the technology pushed, pushed, pushed. Okay, how do we get adaptive learning? How do we get kids involved? How do we do assessments? The Norwegians went further and further. Mm. And we stayed where we where we were before the pandemic. Right. And we stopped learning and the kids stayed out of school and we said wait a little longer wait a little longer wait a little longer what happens to a child mm. what happens to their literacy abilities when they haven't read a book or seen a let alone seen a screen mm. for one uh, year yeah. nine months two yeah. years some in some countries um so we do need to go back uh, and it's a hard question and you know it always comes down to well what's the cost of it how do we bring the cost down and i think sometimes when it comes to human dignity maybe we need to spend more money Maybe we just need to spend more money. Maybe it doesn't need to be sustainable. Maybe we just need to spend money on human dignity. So we've gone all the way. We've gone yeah. around the world. <laughs> I want to bring you back to you. Yeah. And I'm going to ask you, so in a nutshell, what do you consider your life's mission? To be? Mm -hmm. Like, how do you define what, what your raison d'etre is? Mm. I feel I'm so young to be able to answer that question. <laughs> but... Um, I'm you sure wouldn't you think, a, with all my white hair. I'm sure you have a hypothesis. <laughs> <laughs> the thing I say to my daughter before she goes to school every day is be kind. Hmm. Right? Like just be kind. Be a kind person today. Um, I'd love to make the world something that's bearable for her, that doesn't fill her with sorrow. Yeah. Um, but, you know, what wakes me up in the morning, I love the idea of a team hmm. on a mission on a wish, mission to make the world a better place. I don't think I could ever sell sugary drinks or mm. video games for kids, <laughs> violent video games for kids. Mm. Um, you know, make the world a better place, like figure out what teams need to just catalyze them to make that splash a big splash. Right. Um, and to think beyond the, the problem at hand into, you know, the audacious problem that B2P put in front of it is how do we solve this problem in our lifetimes? Mm. And that I love. Like, I love the idea of solving a problem in your lifetime. Like, right. taking it, breaking it into chunks, thinking of creative ways, bringing in the best, brightest minds, getting them excited about it. Like, what makes a team stay up till three in the morning um, working on something that's so far removed from the problem, but right. a crucial part of the solution? Right. Um, 
that's, that's something that drives that's something that really drives me so tell me something mm. the next 10 years mm. what do they look like to you i had hopes that covid was a little jolt to us like mm. hey we're worrying about the wrong things in life we're fo- like our focus is not on the things that should matter mm. in this little blip of 70 80 90 if you're lucky years we have on this planet mm. um but i feel like we've gone back we've gone back to the grind we've gone back to the rat race um but i'm so hopeful because i think there's even the way philanthropy the way aid the way donors the way development is looking i think we're floating the right things up on the agenda right. to the top of the agenda yeah. we're thinking about you know beyond the the white saviorism of philanthropy we're thinking more about like how do we make systemic change um how do we make you know a continent that's as rich and beautiful and wonderful as Africa to you know so the people who live there own that and who have the land there yes. are also enjoying um and benefiting from it um so i think systems change is a big one i think technology will play a key role in that um but i think the way we see ourselves needs to also change what do you think we should see ourselves as in the in the you know in the coming years i think we should see ourselves as a driver and a narrator of how that change should look and what direction we're going rather than as consumers recipients beneficiaries um of what the the big template tells us <laughs> we have to redefine ourselves folks mm-hmm. and there you have it that was nevi um this is the open chats and we hope that you will subscribe so that you can um have a chance to listen to us speak to other people go in the comment section and tell us who else you'd like to um have us features especially on season 1 season 0 this one is our test season and what we are really doing is that we're going to be talking to our board members our new board members so that you get a chance to um hear from them and then after that we'll be calling on um many people who are in tech in development in data and we're going to be talking about what the world is going to look like in the future and what your role is likely to be in it so what you can do is just you know follow us reach out to us um if you feel that there is a way that you can contribute to this also reach out um and let's keep talking thank you so much for listening thank you for being with us um thank you <laughs>